Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week is a very special one for me. We are talking to the bassist Steve Firth for the British rock band Embrace. Now, Embrace is maybe my favorite band of the last 20 years. And I don't know how many Americans are really aware of this incredible band. They would have come out in the late 90s, sort of in the aftermath of that tidal wave of Britpop that was started by Blur and Oasis. Remember, all those other bands were coming out, and they were so many of them were good, but Embrace is special. All Music called them, I believe, the Orson Welles of Britpop, and it's apt because the sound is huge. Everything is big and meaningful and epic and impactful, and it gets your blood pumping, and it makes you cry, and it makes you love, and it makes you want to take on the world. There is a special element to this incredible band that I think doesn't get the credit it deserves. This song you're listening to right here is called All You Good Good People. It's off their first album, The Good Will Out. They put out a new album. They put out seven albums in the last 20 years. Their latest came out last year. It's called Love is a Basic Need. All of these albums are good to great. We go through all of them, talk about the highs and the lows, the key tracks. I tried to pack this thing with a lot of music in hopes that to turn on many of you to this incredible band, okay? One thing that's actually quite sobering about this conversation is you realize how difficult it is to carry on as kind of a mid-level band. And these guys have had a number of number one albums in the UK, and yet there are limits to what they're able to do. And it shouldn't be that way. And so... I hope anyone within the sound of my voice will give this band a chance. And if you don't know them, please listen closely to this music. It will change your life for the better. And that is not hyperbole. I swear it. Okay? Steve called me from his home in Wakefield, West Yorkshire, in the north of England. I've been racking my brain all morning. For whatever reason, I'm trying to think about how I got to know Embrace. And... All this time in my memory, I've been thinking that it was, um, I, so I used to live in England in the early 90s, and I've been sort of an Anglophile musically for all of my life, just about. Right. I remember um, discovering those best album in the world ever compilations that were that they oh, used yeah. to do in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. And I would have friends send them to me, and you guys were on one of those. And for whatever reason, I thought that Come Back to What You Know was the first song that I heard that hooked me, but I'm trying to, I can't find evidence of where that would have been. Real slow, I wanna lose you. 
but I can't let you go before you interfere let me make it loud and clear that you got no more to prove I'm a fool so take it easy So I don't yeah. actually know. Maybe it was maybe it was one of those compilations. Maybe it was the Permanent Midnight soundtrack. You guys had a song on that soundtrack, that movie. Uh, Free yeah, Ride was on there. <laughs> right. It's a Ben Stiller movie from the 90s. Anyway, so I, I was trying to trace back my fandom. I don't know that I can do it other than to say that since I discovered Embrace, my life has been greatly improved. Um, That's you're, very nice. Absolutely. You're one of the greatest bands I've ever heard that's ever been, in my opinion. And oh, wow. when I listen to a, the sound, it's, I mean, obviously it is grand and epic in a way that I feel like almost no other band has ever done, at least not sustained to the level that you have, where it's almost every song on every album is making a grand statement. What I want to know more than mm -hmm. anything in the world is when you guys came together, did you sit down in a, in a band meeting and say, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be about. We're going to go big every single time. Or how did this <laughs> sound happen? It didn't, I don't know, it, was, it didn't happen like that. It was more a case of, just before I joined the band, which would be, God, when would it be, 25 years ago, they sounded more kind of Echo and the Bunny Men. They kind mm. of, they're, they're a lot more rocky, really. Uh, big guitar sounds, uh, 
they were interested, you know, My Buddy Valentine, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And uh, they didn't have many songs. Mm. And they got this horrible review at this festival that they did, <laughs> saying they just, you know, they were the lowest common denominator of all yes. these bands that they, they liked. And they thought, they thought, yes, we are. It kind of hit home. So mm. uh, that's just as I joined. And when I joined the band, we didn't do a gig for about 18 months. We just got together three, four, five times a week, made a racket together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounded awful, actually. There's not even any tapes of it. I mean, it's lovable how bad we were. Right. And eventually record everything we did and Danny once uh, took them home and then he, he kind of found this song on there called Retread which is on the first album mm-hmm. and he thought well we've got something here. we've actually got a song that isn't just all about drums and guitar making a racket we've actually written a song for the first time lucky I was lost now I'm found you could be the first And I think that's that started the journey of the first album. Um, we never intended to to be this grand, sort of massive sounding band. It's just I remember going into the studio on the first album, and we, we were recording "Are oh, You Good Good People," and we just left this like two or three minute end bit, just playing notes over and over again, and said, "What we need on here are strings." Mm-hmm. So Dave Crefield, the producer, said, I know a guy called Mickey Dale who's really good at strings. We should get him over one afternoon and let him have a, you know, an hour or two on it. So uh, Mickey came in. I think Danny left the room and said, you know, have a go, see what you come up with. And that, that kind of created the end section of Good Good People. From then onwards, it was a case of, what could Mickey Dale do with on this? Really? Get some strings on this. Get some strings. And it was pure chance, really. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we hit it off with Mickey, and we sort of asked him to join the band later that year. Wow. But the sound just came about because of that, because of what we had. And then we got all these comments about, oh, a bit overblown and all this, and trying to add. So the second album was kind of a reaction against that, so we, we turned it down a bit on that. We've always been reacting against the previous album, I suppose. Interesting. Never tried to stand still. We've always tried to do something different. I mean, to you, it might sound like... I mean, we naturally just sort of meant the embrace sound, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, when, it. When we play together, it sort of comes out like that. Yeah. But it wasn't, there was no sort of initial, this is what we want to be. Hmm. I suppose we were just like, we, we like bands like the Beatles and the sure. Beach Boys and stuff. Obviously, great bands, we listen to a lot of that stuff in them days. So that wow. kind of came across. Hmm. It just seems like your sound is so singular. And I could, I guess I can see 
you know, someone wanting to be kind of snotty or critical, saying, you know, you're trying so hard, you're going so big. That but... was kind of the yeah, the British, the cool British press, the enemy really? and things sort of turned against us uh, after first album a little bit. At first, they were all over us like they are with all new bands, and then as soon as yeah. the album comes out, they kind of start picking at it. But that's the British way. <laughs> it, it, I guess it is, and it, you know, I could understand if you weren't successful at what you're doing the majority of the time. I mean, you know, there's every band has clunkers in their in their catalog, but you guys are you guys nail it. I mean, it's like you aspire to be great and you achieve it almost every time out. And that I think is That's really true. admirable. Whereas I could see if you want to, like I said, I think it, if you want to be snotty about it, then yeah, you can just say, what are these guys up to? But you make people's lives better. You know, you, 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 it, it is hard work for us. We're not one of these bands. Obviously we've only done seven albums in all these years. It's not easy for us. We don't just get together and sort of knock out an album in, three weeks we can work on one yeah. song for that length of time and then scrap it and you know we, we know it's hard we know it's hard to, to stand out you've got to work harder than everyone else yeah. we're not the most talented bunch but the one thing we can control is the amount of work we put into it sure so i think over the years we've worked you know in the early days we were seven days a week 12 hour a day in the studio and it, it you know it wasn't good for us mm-hmm. we've had to tone it down over the years yeah so when the goodwill out comes out, um, I think that was '98. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys three this year, twenty years. That's right. That's right. So that I believe hits number one in the UK. So even you yeah. know, in spite of the critics, people are embracing, uh, so to speak. I just realized it's I said the fastest that. selling debut. I think. Is it really? Band. Yeah, I think it sold like I think it went gold in, on its first day, and then it went platinum, double platinum, and all that. So nice. yeah, it sold really well. Okay. So, you know, obviously the fans are voting with their wallets. What kind of, I'm, you know, I'm in the States and to me, you guys are not to me, but to the people I know, most people don't know who Embrace are over here. Or if they do, you're like a British import cult band, you know? Yeah. yeah. So was there, was there an attempt out from the, out of the gate to sort of break you in America? I think the story of Embrace is, is, is We've been successful, but we've never really hit the big time. We've always nearly just made it. And on the first album, we signed to Geffen in America. And we had a, I think it was about a six-week tour booked to, to come around America to do our first major tour. Um, we're all looking forward to it. And then Geffen were bought out by Seagram, if my memory's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And of the, you know, the hundred-odd acts they had on the roster, they just got rid of 80% straight yeah. away overnight, all the bands that hadn't sold any records or that were, wasn't making any money. Yeah. So um, we were dropped before we got there. So that kind of stifled right. the first album dream of getting out there. So you, then never, again it happened. you never did a tour or came over here or did any shows? Or we've, we've been around a couple of times. Um, I saw you once, and I'll get to that in a little bit. I've been, I managed yeah. to see you guys once in a tiny little club here in Denver, Colorado, where I live. And uh, it, that, um, like a pub kind of thing. Yeah, Larimer uh, Lounge. It was an all-day festival. Yeah. Uh, there was a barbecue out the back. Yes, yes. It's yeah, called the Larimer Den- Lounge. Denver once. Yeah, it's yeah, got a little bar it. in the front and then a little stage area kind of in the middle and a eating area yeah. or something in the back. There's and about it, 10 people there. <laughs> I was one of those 10 people. And, fantastic. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, it's it's such a – it's so counterintuitive to hear the big sounds of Embrace in this tiny little room. <laughs> but it was like one of the happiest moments of my life. Anyway, I, I oh, okay. interrupted you. So – 
you guys never really made it over here or anything? Uh, but I think, let me see, uh, we've done a couple of tours out there and we got to the stage each time where we were, we were growing. I mean, we did a tour a couple of years ago with Star Sailor. We did mm, like two that. weeks out there. Mm. I mean, but there were no, no record label behind it. And I think mm. it cost us all about 2,000 quid for the pleasure of doing two weeks <laughs> out there. So we just called it holiday. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Uh, on oh, the, I think on the album, a couple of albums ago, we were signed to Atlantic out there. And once again, we did, I think we did about six weeks out there in total. And VH1 uh, were getting behind us and they were going to televise a gig that we were going to do in New York. And it was all happening. And we're all saying, thank God it's finally happening in America. We'll go mm-hmm. back and we'll grow it. And then once again, Atlantic shut the part of the label we were on down. And so that was all scuppered again. So we never got to come out. Yeah, I think so, I think I heard that right around because uh, when Out of Nothing came out, I think that was the tour that I saw you guys on in that little room. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it and I remember Danny saying something from the stage, I believe that like, you know, we're so that happy that, tour, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that this is finally happening and America's finally getting behind us. Because we were playing like 500 in New York and we're just happy to be there because it's, uh, you know, it's a dream, isn't it, playing America and driving around and seeing all the wonderful countryside and stuff and it's just the history of the place as well well is it that to get there that's my so that's my question is when you uh you know everyone romanticizes that when it's a reality and you think you know we're one of the biggest bands in britain and here we are playing to 10 people in this little bar in denver i don't need to put up with this or is it like yes this is what it's all about i don't care how many people are here this is the beauty of being a band in america it's a bit of both, really. We, mm. can, we kind of have a little moan about it. Bloody hell, we've driven eight hours to Gary and no one's turned up. But then the same, again, we, we, every town we go to, we go and have a look around and go to a few bars and we enjoy it and just soak, soak it all up and enjoy the thing and think, you know, we know you've got to do it. In the UK, we were really spoiled because I'd, I'd only done six gigs with Embrace before we got signed. So mm. I went from playing, you know, similar size, just like small pubs and clubs to... 50 or 100 people, family mainly. And then we were signed and suddenly we were on tour with the Long Pigs playing theatres. Oh, I love the Long Pigs too. So it was a bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Long Pigs were great. They were really good to us. Yeah, good. Um, boy, that... Now, you guys, you know, I mean, you guys were sort of a um, caught up in that wave, that that 90s wave of Britpop, thanks to Blur yeah. and Oasis that was coming out everywhere and stuff like that. Do you ever feel like that casts a pall over the band that you don't deserve? I don't know. I'm only speaking we from kind my of, side of it. We try to keep our distance from the Britpop scene because we came towards the end of it, really. I don't know. We never sort of identified to We liked Oasis and Blur and all these bands, but they all lived in London and sang about trendy, mm. cool things. And we just sang, Danny just sings with his heart and his sleeves mm-hmm. about relationships and emotions. We kind of came from a different place, really. Yeah. We never hung out with these guys. We always lived up north. Uh, we kind of didn't want, you know, I, I don't know, we were just embraced. We were looking across the Atlantic rather than yeah. to London. Huh. That makes sense. Um, now, how did you form kind of a relationship with Chris Martin and Coldplay? I think, were they opening for you guys or something around the Drawn From Memory tour or something? Yeah, we um, we were doing a, a tour uh well, in those days, every time you went on tour, you'd get uh, bands would send their tapes to the record label or to the management company asking for support slots. So you'd get like a box of 30, 40 tapes to, to listen to. 
I think Danny must have listened to it and got this Coldplay early mm. demo and said, these are really good. And I get them, get them on uh, with Sportings at Blackpool. I think we did two nights at Blackpool and we had a different sport each night. Everyone at the time, I mean, Cap said everyone thought they were going to be massive, but everyone thought they were good. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember my brother came and said, oh, that sport band is really good. They, they might go somewhere. But it was never a case of, you know, they're going to be huge. I mean, six months later, Yellow came out and suddenly they were everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's where it started. And then Danny and Danny and Chris over the years used to sort of ring up each other up all the time and play tunes to each other and be brutally honest as well and say, nice. that's, you know, I don't like that one. That's got no chorus. And, you know, Danny... Yeah. I think they both speak like that. They're just truthful with each other. And I think I think Danny once actually delayed an album coming out by them because he said it's not good enough. Really? <laughs> <And> Chris agreed. <laughs> oh, wow. No way. <laughs> so I think the record company were not happy with that. I think that's a, that's a true story. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah, good. So, I mean, they still, they still do talk a lot. I mean, we got to support them last year. They paid, repaid the favour last year with interest. Mm. And we played the massive stadium, Millennium Stadium, whatever it's called, in Wales. We did two nights in front of 80,000 people sporting oh, them. Oh, man. Oh, man. So they, we did they that with massive interest. Yeah. And we saw, saw what it's like. They live in a different world of private jets and they mm-hmm. have studios and gyms <clears throat> on tour with them and all this stuff. Well, we're still where we were 25 yeah. years ago <laughs> in a cheap hotel. <laughs> Not jealous. Right, right. Well, that was going to be my question. I mean, um, when you watch a band like Coldplay, you know, take over the world like that, and you think, you know, those guys, I, I knew when they were supporting us. I imagine, and I'm, I'm sure even if the answer is no, you wouldn't tell me otherwise. Are, are you at least happy for them or proud for them? Does a part of you think, you know what, we're not that different? I am not a massive, massive Coldplay fan. I think that, mm. you know, I do like, I, I did like them in the early days, but I don't really listen to that sort of stuff nowadays. Yeah. But when I saw them, I watched them in the, with the, in the crowd and thought, what a fantastic show they put on. What yeah. a fantastic front man. What great yeah. band. Um, they deserve it. I just yeah. thought, yeah, they do deserve it. They're better than us. Yeah. I mean, it might not be my type of music, but what they do is better than mm. us. They're better at doing what they do. So, yeah, they deserve it. I saw them in concert once in Berkeley, California. I think it's called the Greek Theater. And it was just mm. as Rush of Blood to the Head came out. Yeah. And I and uh, it's a pretty big, big outdoor venue, but not major. And I remember them taking pictures of the crowd and saying, this is the biggest crowd we've ever played in front of. Yeah. And now they, you know, they fill football stadiums. It was so funny yeah. that at the time they thought that was big and then it would just get bigger and bigger. Yeah, um, it's crazy, that world. When um, when you guys recorded Chris's Gravity song, did he yeah. did the band write that specifically for Embrace, or was it sort of one they well, were going to use?
That was one of these conversations Danny and, and Chris had. They were, I mean, Chris played the song to Danny over the phone, I think, or sent him, I don't know if he sent him a tape or whatever. And Danny really loved it. Um, that's one of your best songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris played it to the, the band and they didn't like it. Oh. So, and so it never made it to their album. And so that Chris rang Danny up later saying, uh, do you know that song Gravity that you really liked? It's not going to be used. Do you want it? Mm-hmm. So it brought it into the studio. We jammed with it. Thought this is really good, actually. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> played it to the record label. They were yes, please get it on the album. Sure. And it's uh, you know song we still play now. It's uh, yeah, one of the yeah. big songs in our set. Was that? I mean, you a record label sn- smells a Coldplay song who are big. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they're yeah. like, oh, we can work with this. You know, this is something we they can use. With, uh, to be, they weren't quite as big as they are now. I mean, they jump sure, even more course. now, but you know, they were still big. Yeah, yeah, bigger. Uh, no offense, bigger than you guys were in the states anyway. Yes. So we're yeah. record label yeah, thinking, yeah. oh, I can do something. You know, this is a sure. this so is a, that's an angle into that's a press exactly. angle. The record label is going to yeah. be out. You know, going on radio because Chris Martin wrote it. Yeah, I mean, and at I, the time we, I was working on the shop floor at the time that came out. We'd sort of run out of money, and we were all having to do proper jobs, and I was really? working on the floor shop floor welding kind of oh. plastic tubes together no way. and every day gravity started getting played on the radio i didn't tell anyone at work i was in embrace i just kept my mouth shut because i didn't want to explain or anything uh-huh. and so it was on the it was suddenly it's on the hour being played every hour on the radio and then the manager rings up says oh you're on top of the pops next thursday so i had to go in my boss would say, yeah, uh, can I have next Thursday? Yes, I'm on top of the pot, which was very surreal. And then we had, we had something like a session with Radio 1 the day after and something else came in very quickly, or took off. So then I had the great pleasure of saying, I won't be coming back to work. <laughs> That's great. And has that been true ever since? Have you been able to make a living as a musician ever since? Uh, I still have to do the bit and here and there but we've had okay. a good year this year but you know yeah we, the thing is we've only, we've only got the uk market and you can't really make a massive living out of the amount of gigs we can do over here so yeah if we had america or germany or japan one other market that was like the uk then we'd sort of make a good living but you know it's always a struggle for us so I mean I think I, one of the things that we try to focus on sensitively on this podcast is the business side of things and, and let's take a minute and think about this. I mean Embrace have had three number one albums in the UK over your yeah. career and you played in big crowds. I mean maybe they're not yeah. you know eighty thousand every time unless you're partnered with someone else, but you you can draw a crowd in the UK and that's still yeah, not enough to be one hundred percent all in. On music every day of your life. That is that's kind no, of tragic. I think we probably earn less less than the average person does generally. Yeah. Wow. So when we get paid, we get paid good for gigs, but we can only do 10, 15 a year. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Twenty. It's like I shouldn't moan about it because it's just a wonderful way to make money and earn a living. We and you're doing it with your friends and you're creative and you're doing stuff something you always wanted to do since you were a kid. Yeah. But the the money side of it is no. It's it's unless you're in that one percent at the top. 
you're all scratching around for a living. Yeah. Oh you know? man, that is tough. So um, but, we should talk about. So this year, you've put out a. Um, you had a new album this year. Love is yeah. Um, love is a basic, love is a basic need. need. Yeah. And uh, how's that doing? I mean, again, I never know because nothing that ever went, that quite went to gets over. Five. Did it? That went to number five in the UK charts. But as you know, nowadays mm-hmm. there's not many sales going on. So it, oh, it's great going to number five. I think in terms of, I don't think we make any money whatsoever. I don't think we even pay the record hmm. label back. The small advance they gave us out of that. And we did it for free. We did The album didn't cost anything to make because we did it in our own studio at Rick's house. Okay. So, you know, there's no money. We, radio One don't play us anymore. Uh, radio really? Two kind of plays occasionally. So there's no sort of radio play. Wow. It's all about Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Trying to keep your fans that way and, and the loyal fan base we've got. Well, fantastic! Who, who come to? We're putting a tour, and some of them will come to every single gig on tour. They'll buy everything we produce. We've got to just hang on to these fans and keep them happy. Yeah, yeah. It's all about that. Wow, this it breaks my heart. Uh, all this time, <laughs> I, it really does. All this time, I thought I feel like I'm the guy who ha- knows a secret about a great band that is doing great in the UK, but it yeah. uh, unfortunately, it just not enough people know how great embraces and how much better yeah. their life would be if they listened the to business them. Business has changed a lot of yeah, the years. I mean, on the first album, we say we sold, I think we sold 600,000 albums hmm. and you'd expect to make a lot of money out of that. I mean, you would do if you did it now, but the fact that in them days, Ed and TV insisted on like 35 mil film uh, videos. Yeah. So the film stock cost about 10 grand for each video. I think we would, some of our videos cost a hundred thousand pounds and that's mm. the sort of money the record labels were throwing around in them days because yeah. they had all the Britpop money and we were on Virgin which had the Spice Girls money and mm. had the Verve and Placebo and Smashing Pumpkins so there were loads of money about so they were all spending it as a yeah don't worry about you know you just get bigger and bigger and bigger and it never happened so when we left all these labels we left them with big debts as well mm. we never saw the money any money at all but we sort of lived quite yeah. a nice life staying in five-star hotels and drinking and eating for free. You sure, know? sure. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, that's rough. So let me ask you then, I mean, we I don't want to dwell on this. I want to dwell on the great stuff, and we'll get to that in, one, in a second. But one last question. When you guys take a long break um, mm. after this new day, I mean, you guys kind of, I don't think you called it quits or broke up, but you basically put we've everything never, on we've pause. We've never broken up or called it quits. It's just... We were really successful at the time, and we just sort of toured too much around the UK. And by the end of it, Danny's voice was shattered. Yeah. And he just, we just had a meeting and said, I just need some time away from it. Um, you know, I'm sort of burnt out. Yeah. And he, he went off and did other things. He, he sort of got involved with clubs, in, in, got involved with a club in Manchester, and everyone else just got on with their lives. And huh. suddenly, time just passes by. Yeah. And then after, I don't know. I can't remember how long it was now, but suddenly Danny sort of picked up his acoustic guitar again and said, "Oh yeah, still got, still into the idea of this." And yeah. so we had a fantastic uh, get together and started work. We had nothing at all when we got together. Wow! On the next album, nothing, no songs at all. Yeah. And, uh, we were all sort of just living off savings and that sort of thing, just sat in the studio for the best part of a year. Wow! And uh, so I'm just wait, Ben. I just read. Um, Lemmy's book and Lemmy's you know, like he'd go into the studio, book a studio for three weeks, go in, 
with no songs and three weeks later he'd come out with an album. Yeah. I'm so jealous of that, but we'd never managed to do that. We'd still be tuning guitars after three weeks. Right. <laughs> We're just not that sort of band. So. Yeah. So during that eight-year break, what do you do? Do you go back to welding? Do you um, do some uh, well, other music project? Not, yeah, I think uh, oh, lots of personal shit happened. And uh, I don't think it was quite eight years. I think it might be in between albums, but certainly two of them we were oh, together okay. and okay. working on the next album and you don't have to answer if you I was I was like trying to do up houses and things like that and just painting and decorating and mm. just trying to make a living because you know if you've been in a band for so many years it, no employer is going to touch you so you're going to sure. kind of do your own thing sure that has to be hard on the psyche of the creative musician too to go from the five-star hotels to welding to uh, hoping one day that the five-star hotels come back and then maybe they do for a tour you know because you got a great new album and that lasts a yeah, few but weeks and then you go back we'd, and... we'd never have five-star hotels now because we're so conscious of wasting money that we mm. cheap hotels yeah. and have the cash <laughs> yeah that makes sense um i just we'd like a challenge i mean we'd, yeah. we'd, we being in the band has got so many good sides to it and we are a band that's stuck together we've never fallen out we've never had the big arguments good We've never done drugs. We've never sort of had, you know, the whole rock star thing. We're just friends, really. Yeah, we would go out right. together for a drink and a meal. And just, we just get on. We have, a, have more laughs with Embrace in a day with Embrace than I do in the rest of the week, you know. I just, we just laugh and take the mickey out of each other and we're all laid back. And okay. uh, so we have, I'm very lucky to be with these boys. Yeah, you sure are. And also, I just want it to carry on now, to be honest. Yeah. I just want to keep going and... See what happens. So you never know because it's like in a normal job. What do you you know you know exactly what's going to happen in the next year. You you might get a promotion or yeah. you might get a little pay rise. You know, in this business, you know who knows we might have a hit and yeah. be millionaires this time next year. Yeah. So it's it's more interesting. Who knows? I just yeah. want to carry on doing it. I believe it. So let's talk about what you're carrying on doing next year. As we mentioned, I believe in March you're going on a. UK tour to celebrate the 21st yep. anniversary of uh, yep. Goodwill Out, right? Yeah. Okay. And that's well, this is a good thing as well mm -hmm. because we've been through some lean times, but this is a you know for us there are all 2,000 plus venues a night, and already I think five have sold out. Yes. And the rest are selling well, so that's going really well. Good. And we've started getting offered some festivals and there's a few things in the pipeline that I can't mention yet because they haven't been confirmed. Okay. But it could be one. It could be a big year for us next year. Oh, I hope so. And is this one of those things where you're going to play the whole album in its entirety? Well, yeah, I think okay. we should. And uh, I think most of the band think we should just do it exactly as the record uh -huh. and go off and come back on and do kind of the greatest hits afterwards. Yeah. I think that's where we're going. Good. I think that's how that's the best thing too. Um, yeah. Okay. I want nothing more than for Embrace to be the biggest band in the world, and so I wish and hope these things work out for you. Um, just keep hoping that some rich guys going to say, "Oh, come and play my, come and play my house in America." <laughs> I wish I was it. rich enough <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll talk to my wife and see. Uh, if yeah, I if you win that, we win the lottery and then invite us out. We'll play it. Yeah. Oh, you know it. You'll be my house band. Um, well, so let's. I want if it's okay with you. I wouldn't mind going almost like album by album and getting some of the thoughts and feelings about some of the songs on there. We've talked about the Goodwill Out. You mentioned yeah. sort of course correcting or you know changing styles yeah. a little bit on Drawn from Memory because everyone everyone at the time said. I mean the. 
the sound came about kind of uh, organically, but we, in the studio. But we never set out to be that big stadium band, that big you know orchestral band or whatever. We just wanted to write songs. And when we were sort of played together, we jammed and with some some songs sounded punky, some songs sounded funky. We just kind of had a, a diverse musical taste. So mm-hmm. I think the second album was kind of a it was more to embrace than just strings and mm-hmm. we'll show you you know what we're like and what we and uh, the second album John from Memory is still one of our favorite albums I can see a time when I won't be able to feel the pain no I could never make it last Or ever understand What you'd keep me falling I turn evil in your hands Singing on schizophrenic by mm. the press and we kind of laugh at the time but we thought perhaps that's put people off so wow. then the third album was a reaction against the schizophrenic yeah, album I bet. That. I bet. nature of that because i think coldplay were out there and we listened to coldplay albums and said, oh it's a beautiful <clears> album it's all it's a beautiful same mood throughout it we should try and do something like that mm. and then the third the third album is our least favorite we we, yeah. we kind of I think it sounds like we're all on downers. We're all stoned or something. It's it just too does. slow. It needs to kick up the ass. And, it kind of does. And uh, yeah, it's yeah. We yeah. I, we haven't got many fond memories of that one, to be honest. Um, and then we got dropped immediately after, which yeah. was uh, yeah a bit of a sour time for us. I think you know nobody does a ballad quite like Embrace, and I love you for that. Uh, an album full of ballads gets a little heavy. And that, yeah, and yeah. if you've never been the third album we were just talking about, yeah. I, there are some, you know, like Over is such a wonderful song. Drag yourself over the coast. I know you're sorry to go. But when all you can do is say so. I know it's over I won't waste one more hour of my life I know some people would cry Well, it's funny that none spring to mind Now it's over Thank you. 
but when you've heard, you know, seven overs in a row yeah. in one album, yeah, it just exactly. gets a little hard to and, swallow. Yeah, that didn't turn out how it should have been. It was supposed to be a lot heavier and uh, it okay. should have been faster. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's too sleepy. I can't listen to it. Yeah. But it's got yeah. some beautiful little keyboard lines on it and guitar lines, but and uh, I just, it, it's a song that should have been so much more. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You talk about this like schizophrenic nature of Drawn From Memory. Drawn From Memory, the song, is maybe your most epic ballad. In fact, I remember, and it may have been you, I'm not sure. When I saw you guys in Denver, unfortunately, and you probably don't have to do, do this in the UK, you were in the room setting up your own stuff because the place was yeah. such a small venue. And yeah, yeah. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said, hey, are you going to play Drawn From Memory tonight? Because that's one of my favorite songs of yours. And the guy's like, no, I'm sorry. That's not on the on the set list. But, um, you know, you've got the most it's epic. I should mention that because on, on the last tour we, we played it, uh, Rick started singing it one night. Just off the top of it, it just sort of spontaneously started singing it on tour. And it went down so well that I think it for three more times on the last Good. tour. Good. Good. Rick, Rick singing it rather than Dana, and it was absolutely oh. beautiful, spine tingling. It is yes. our best ballad, I think. Yes, I love that song. And I think it's funny that the song right before it is Save Me. Well, you can do it in your sleep, and then you worry for a week. But with the magic of your Everybody's falling at your feet. Everybody's falling at your feet. But the liar gets the part. Cause the honest go too far. So when they laugh, don't take it to heart. You made a plastic scenic work of art. The plastic scenic work. Which is about yeah. as you know radio friendly a Brit pop rock top, song top of the day. Happy. Yeah. yeah, was that a hit at least in the UK for you guys? Save me. Uh, I think it was like top twenty. It was not okay. a massive one for us. And once again, that is a bit limp. I mean, when, when we do that live, it's uh, got a lot more guitar and huh. a bit faster, and bit, you know, it's a bit harder. Okay. What? Yeah. What? I just, yeah. I don't know what we were listening to at the time, but we were kind of we mixed. Rick was in, going through a funk phase, and huh. uh, yeah, I don't know. I think for some reason that whole album, that whole period, is a bit it's a bit sleepy. Really? Huh. I could see mm. that. I guess. Um, yeah, now, I think what... we've kind of took it for granted that we might, you know, we'll, we'll sell with a lot of albums, and obviously it's a lot harder than that. And you learn a lesson that you've got to try harder than everyone else to succeed. Yeah. Um... What went into the, the thinking behind doing a cover of Three is the Magic Number? Three is a magic number Yes it is It's a magic number Somewhere in this ancient mystic trinity We got three A 
as a magic number. Past and the present and the future, faith and hope and charity, the heart and the brain and the body. And it's such a great version, but I love I love that song. Why did you do that? It might have been um, one of these radio okay. sessions where you had to do a cover version. Like we went through a lot of different options, and I think, like I said, Rick was going through a funky phase, and he, he brought that in one day, and I said, let's learn this, and we kind of really enjoyed playing it. For, for a while, it was a lot of fun. Um, we even got Bob Dora, who wrote that, to uh-huh. come over and play with us. Really? At Rick's oh. Academy. Yeah. Oh, man. We flew him over. <laughs> He just said, oh, you could fly me and the wife over and uh, put us up in a hotel. I'll do it for nothing. So, yeah, come over. So he had a a weekend in London for free, and we had him on stage. It was fantastic. Oh, he passed away last year. I had been been trying to get him to come on the show, and I never heard back, and then he passed away. Yeah, said some nice things about us. I think he said, you guys swing. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Good. Okay, that's yeah, a fun so song too. That okay. was good. I enjoyed doing that. That was a straight. Yeah, yeah. We had a very diverse band. If you think about, we oh, got totally. the same old thing over and no, again, and no, that. you no. don't realize until you go listen back. Yeah. Um, so we talked a little bit already about Out of Nothing, but this new day, you know, when I listen to that album, <clears throat> it sounds to me like an album full of different uh, variations on U2's "Beautiful Day." song you know again going back to the anthemic but this is more everything rocks a little harder i think it might be your most commercial commercially viable album you know like if i were to tell somebody this might be the safest starting point for embrace is this this new dad was also it'd be out of nothing uh would probably be the most the one i'd start with oh really that's how we kind of when as a band, I mean, we do like this new day, but we kind of feel as though it's out of nothing part two. Ah. It's like we didn't have quite, kind of enough time to sort of give it justice, mm. you know, give it due care and everything. I think it's a, it's a bit like um, the songs aren't quite as good as out of nothing, but mm. you know, it is a really good album. Yeah. But it's probably the second least favorite <laughs> if you ask the band. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so interesting. <laughs> It's so interesting how we all hear these things. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's probably, probably my second well, we, favorite. Yeah, we did uh, Out of Nothing with Youth in Olympic in London. And then we kind of did this with Youth in Olympic with London. So it was kind of, it's it's very same. We've got the same influences. Huh. And we might have been better trying someone else, someone else for that album. But, you know, we do love what Youth did with the band. And we would certainly work with him again. Yeah. What Now tell me about working with Youth. He uh, seems like a really interesting guy, and he's behind a lot of my favorite albums. But, you know, he's the killing joke guitarist or whatever. That just 
seems it's a little bass player, yeah. or bass player, yeah, the early stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was always scared of Killing Joke. I loved Killing Joke, but I was always a bit wary of them. So exactly. when I met him, I didn't know what to expect. Right. Uh, uh, I thought he might be really strange. They are they're a strange bunch, but he's a proper hippie. Is uh, you? He's, yeah. There's a cloud of dope smoke around him all day long. <laughs> and he's just the most creative person I've ever met. He, you know, he's been producing the band at the same time as be drawing pictures, uh-huh. uh, doing artwork at the back of the studio. Um, what it a just, trip. It, you know, just, just me up phone, just to, while we were there, it was like on phone to Paul McCartney, he's doing work with him. And oh he's done, since then, he's worked with Pink Floyd and, it just it seems to have his finger in, in, in all around the business. He knows everybody. Yeah. He's just a really nice person and he's very, very creative. And that, yeah, That's it, it kind of makes you, it makes me feel inadequate because he's such a creative person. I just think, oh, I wish I were more like that. Yeah. But at the same time, he believes in a lot of hippie bullshit. <laughs> and I, I'm a kind of, I'm a lot of scientific, you know, I read a lot of physics books and stuff and I like to argue with him all the time with his, right. his hippiness, you know. That's so funny. Which was fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, actually, I'm going to see, going to see Killing Joke on Saturday and playing in Leeds and I'm hoping to get to see you. Nice. They were just here also in Denver, um, played a venue not much bigger than the one you were in, but there were, Right. Unfortunately, there were for you. There were like the place was packed for them. Um, yeah. But that was my first time yeah. seeing Killing Joke live, and I just thought I can't believe. Well, I've this never is seen them, and I've oh, the, really? the last couple of albums have been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, they sound like a bunch of kids. They don't sound like six year old yeah. men. I can't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, they're a great band. They are, and it's uh, it's heavy. I was not yeah. quite prepared because I I tend to lean toward the more melodic '80s stuff that they did, you know, Love Like Blood and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. But yeah. um, they, when I saw them, they started with Love Like Blood, and I thought, wow, that's ballsy to you know play your biggest song. And I realized it's because they don't go there the rest of the night. The rest of the night is as hard, dark, heavy, <laughs> you know, as you can possibly get. So anyway, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it cool. was a great one. So, um, what uh, is there a song? Now, I like, you know, No Use Crying off of that album. So you've 
Is there a song yeah. that you are particularly fond of off of that you that you don't You'll hate? Have to just remind me what remind me what song it because I haven't listened to it. Well, either. there's like celebrate. The end is near. The World Cup uh, song is on there. The world at your feet. Oh yeah, that's probably why we don't have fond memories of that. Oh really? You're the first in my life to make me think that we might just go all the way and I want you to know we're all hanging on They'll come and yes they'll try to break us down Isn't that yeah. like a badge of honor, though, to write the be- the World Cup uh, uh, song? Poison Chalice is more that it's called. Really? Call it in the UK, yeah. Um, yeah, the World Cup song was a weird... That was a weird period for us, because we suddenly... That's as close as we've ever got to being, like, a big band, because we're suddenly yeah. on the, in the papers, the, the national papers, rather than the music papers. And we were dealing with proper, you know, these horrible journalists rather than music journalists. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, we were... It was, it was a big thing to do with the football song. And obviously, you open yourself to criticism from everybody. You know, footballers don't like our sort of music, like R&B. So we didn't get any support from the actual players themselves. Hmm. It was one of those things where we had about two hours to decide if we wanted to do it. We had this song left over from the album called Mountain Song, which had no lyrics. And then our manager had come up with a, the, the line, the world at your feet. Mm-hmm. And I think we had to have it recorded in about four or five days from when we agreed to do it. And I just remember this meeting and I said, well, I'm a, I'm a massive football fan. So I said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, everyone else kind of went along with it, although they're not really into football so much. Huh. So I feel a bit guilty about it because I think as well, I might have uh, influenced the decision. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think huh. it went to number two in the UK chart. So it was a success. Okay. But England were terrible at that World Cup, and you kind of get tarnished with that as well. Oh, boy. It, it's one of those things where the record company was saying, if you get this on the album, you're going to be millionaires this time next year. Uh-huh. And we fell for it. Oh, boy. It kind of, yeah, it's the only decision we've ever made, and it was a bad decision based on money. We Normally, we're all about the art. Yeah. The song's got to be fantastic, and it's got to be right. It's got to say something. It's got to get the hairs on the back of your neck. You've got, you've got to feel it. With that one, it was. I think we... We saw the pound signs, and uh, yeah, we're kind of. I know if you ask Rick, especially, it's wish we'd never done that. Hmm. That's and, too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, 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 what happened? I suppose we got so big in the UK. We just kind of toured constantly, did festival after festival, some massive gigs of our own, playing at ten thousand people a night, and that's it. Kind of burnt, burnt us all out, and burnt Danny's voice out, yeah. and that's what ended. 
that because I, I suppose that song called the, the next break. Really? Oh Danny was gosh. knackered at the end of it. You know, we were so big. That's when Danny said, I can't do this anymore. I need a break. Mm. Let me voice recover and get my love back of it. Yeah. Wow. See, it's, you know. So that, yeah, that's an important song in our career, that, but not in a Yeah, not in a good way. way. <laughs> it's funny because, yeah. you know, I hear this and I just think, I want the bands I love to be as successful as possible. And so I'm thinking, what a great opportunity for you guys to have the World Cup theme. But then, yeah. you know, it's a, it, to be viewed as a sellout move. And I know what that means, and that's unfortunate, you know? It's a sellout thing. And in the history of the England football and the World Cup, they, do a, they did a song every, every World Cup. Mm-hmm. And I think there's only ever been three or two of them that have been sanctioned that are any good. Oh. Everyone else has always got... Even Spice Girls had a go at it, and it was terrible. <laughs> and Echo and the Bunny Men did a, a song, and that was poor as well. Really? I can't remember how that one goes. Oh, wow. So it's not a success. There's only, I think, New Order did one. Oh, and that's then, uh, right. Yeah, right. World in Motion. Which yep, is World still, in that, Motion. That didn't do them any harm. They, they, no. But I mean, we loved, we loved New Order and Joy Division. And then uh-huh. Hooky was slagging a song off. So you don't want that. You don't want... Yeah. You don't want people that you love slagging your version off. Oh, that... that... It, it was a... T- yeah, I suppose if we had that time again, we wouldn't have done it. You know that. that but I brings... kind of like all these mistakes. It makes us more interesting. Sure. Well, and I, you yeah. know, I don't know that they're mistakes. To me, they're just great tunes. You know, you mentioning yeah. that about Hooky. That that's a really I hadn't thought of that. What does that have you had that happen before? And this is, um, I I've never thought about that before. A band being a ba- being criticized by someone they really respect and admire. Um, yeah. I hope that hasn't happened too much, but has it ha- uh, ever happened it, it before? It did happen on the first album, actually, because uh, Noel Gallagher slagged off Danny's oh. vocals. And we were massively into Oasis at the time. And yeah. I think they played One Big Family on some radio show, and Noel Gallagher was one of the guests on there. And he said, oh, it's a good tune, but that that swear word, I won't say what uh-huh. the word was. He said, should take singing lessons. Oh, which man. really affected Danny. It would knock anybody. Once sure. I mean, if someone said that bass player is terrible, get rid of him. It would yeah. affect me. Yeah. You know, so yeah, he does. I mean, he was the first Oasis album. The first two, actually, I really yeah. loved. Yeah. We loved him at the time. And like, Peter yeah. Hook's one of my all time favorite bass players. Uh, I didn't like him slagging us off, but it's, mm. it's fine. Yeah. He's supposed to be a good bloke. Danny's met him since, and he's a good bloke. Good. Yeah, I've heard good things. He seems nice. So, yeah. okay, so you guys take the long break, and then in 2014, you come back with the self-titled album, Embrace. To yeah. me, there's a noticeable change. There's some electronics coming in there. If anything, I was listening to it again recently, and I I feel like I hear a little bit almost of Radiohead in there, you know? That's my favorite album of ours. Really? That's my favorite, yeah. And Danny's favorite band of all time are Radiohead. Oh. He's not a massive, he doesn't listen to a lot of music, but he loves everything Radiohead mm, do. Okay. He absolutely adores them. And I do as well, to be fair. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, that came out in 2014, but we'd been working on that for a couple of years before it came out. And before that, in, during the break, Rick was producing bands in his home studio and uh, experimenting with the, the sort of electronic sounds and more modern sounding things and that kind of spilled over into the songs really okay wanted to do something different something more yeah. interesting musically you know it's very some, some really complicated drum parts on mm-hmm. there for mike to learn and yeah um, you, you yeah we, we, it took a lot for us to play 
a lot of time to learn those songs and to play them. And because uh, Rick had done demos, but the demos were so good, it took us like a week to mm. better them. You know. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, yeah, it is my. I wish we'd have carried on more down that route for the next album. But once again, the next album was a reaction against that. Mm, yeah, sounds like you we guys keep doing that. Basic. Yeah, hmm? um, sounds like you guys yeah. keep doing that. So, refugees, I think, is the single, the lead single off. That's my, one of my favorite songs that we do. Yes, around, yeah. there you go. It's so good. And that was a mm. relatively, I think, was it welcomed? I mean, granted, the business is so different, but was it well, were you welcomed back in a nice way? Yeah, I think that did. I can't remember that. I should have, should have looked it up, but I can't remember where that went. But, um, it, was, it did fairly well, yeah. We got huh. played on radio, and okay. uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Okay. I don't know if when Embrace puts out a new album, if like the, the you know, the cues and the NMEs and the music press gets excited and says, guys, the net, the new embrace is up just about here. Or if it's, uh, you're sort of like an indie band over there too. We're doing all right for press. Actually, we're not doing too bad, but although okay. a lot of the magazines have gone, like the enemy's gone, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it's just online now and they're not, they, well, they shouldn't be interested in us anyway. They're for teenagers and, you know, new yeah. bands that are 20 year old. They've always been that. Whereas yeah. where more you sort of uh, Q magazine, I suppose. Yeah, that makes sense. And they've never liked us that much. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how much it press influences people nowadays because we, we get hundreds mm -hmm. of views in all the local papers and nationals, and and you think, wow, we're going to sell out this tour, and it doesn't seem to have much effect. Yeah, I don't know. I think you have to do Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, that's uh, it's not easy. That's why I call this podcast no. The Hustle, because that's what we're all doing. We're hustling to is, get our yeah. name out there. And the music totally, and... business is totally different to it was you know, 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so Love is a Basic Need, you mentioned kind of reverting back. Yeah. And, and I have to admit, I mean, I like that album, but while I'm listening, it's another one of those where it's like, okay, another ballad, another sort of yeah. drawn out. Until the end, Love is a Basic Need, that song is, the, again, another example of Embrace at Their Best.
Epic and yeah. it's big and but what was the thinking there? I mean, why overcorrect if you if you felt like we just really hit our stride? Ah, it's the embrace, the embrace way of thinking. Isn't Is it? it? It's got to be hard. Whatever we do, if it's not hard, it's not good. Oh man, that's <laughs> uh, unfortunate. I think it was the case of like it might be. We thought we'd get a lot of new fans with the previous album, and we'd kind of go somewhere new, but. It didn't really work, and I think the thinking was to give the fans. We've been in this business so long now. We've got this hardcore fan base. They like our first album. They love the sort of the heartfelt ballads. It comes naturally to us. Perhaps that's just what we are. We're this band that does this, and uh, we just kind of did it. And it was our easiest album we've ever done. It's got some great songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, live, they sound fantastic. I believe it. There's a bit more edge to them. Um, uh, this, yeah, all that remains sounds incredible when we play that line. Have you ever had a photo? Something you could hold close, filling you with false hope and lies. I know you wish that I would let go. All I ever do, though, is wait for you to care more. Each time What if everything we done Everything we tried Everything we shared Was in my imagination I tried to make it whole Try to make it right Like I've got you there In the palm of my hand Maybe I don't You know, just the way the embrace what, way what felt right god knows what the next album will be yeah no kidding against this one we'll, we'll go like a, <laughs> a lot heavier again or something or probably we'll go radio i drew had no idea yeah that's funny when you <laughs> but you don't want to keep repeating yourself that's the thing you know it's like sure i mean it's a weird thing being in a band mm-hmm. it's like status quo imagine then i'm sure they wrote loads of wonderful interesting music and thought we want to release this but then the record label said no Everyone wants exactly the same song every time. Yeah. That's what made them famous, you know. Yeah. It's, um, there's only a few bands out there that can do whatever they want, like Radiohead. You know? Yeah, very true. They're a prime example of that. They can put out anything and the fans will go with it. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of bands like Radiohead, I mean, in this, I, I think you and I are probably close to the same age. I don't know. I'm 45. I don't know how old you are. But, I'm a bit older. <laughs> okay. Are you? Okay. Yeah. But still, we're probably, I mean, you probably grew up with this, you know, the Echo and the Buddy Men's and the Smiths and those kinds of bands that I love over here. Have you I, had a I go back even further. I, I, oh, I really? In, uh, the, the punk stuff. That's what uh, I mean to music, you know. Okay. When I first did Stranglers and Clash yeah. and Pistols. That, that excited me. And, you know, Pistols scared me. And uh-huh. kind of, I sort of drawn to it. I've always been drawn to the punk stuff. And really? now more than ever, to be honest, that's the only gigs I'm... I go to and, yeah. and I've got lots of little punk gigs. Nice. I don't like big gigs. <laughs> yeah. When you um, were the were the Pistols your band? Who were some of the even some of the more like obscure British UK or uh, UK punk I, I, bands? I, I missed the I missed the original. You know, the early, I never saw the Pistols because they'd been okay. and gone before that. Kind yeah. Of got there, but I was kind of the early eighties, the second wave of punk, like the Exploited and uh-huh. and Discharge and Crass and all the narco punk stuff. <laughs> I used to be oh, massively yes. into, and they were like political rallies there were more yeah. at some of those gigs and people it was a, it was a bad time in the uk really there's strikes yeah. and riots and police were bastards in them days and yeah it, it was interesting it was scary and i was like a 15 year old lad going to these gigs uh, i suppose because i was so young you didn't get involved in any of the trouble yeah you know you didn't register anyone on anyone's radar but that's the bands you get into when you're that age stay with you forever yeah yeah, I, uh, no yeah, kidding. I still love the Stranglers. Good. Have you been able to play with the Stranglers this year? And it was like one of the best moments of my life. Really. I got to meet the bass player, John Jack Spinell, as well as being a hero. Wow. That was going to be my question. That sort of stuff. Yes. Hmm. Who else? So the Stranglers, have you about. met any other uh, heroes along the way? Well, I was a bit like, I'm not one of these people that go up and. Uh, hmm. Force myself on people in case they tend to tell me to fuck off. <laughs> and, um, when we played Glastonbury in 2000, it was the biggest gig we'd ever done, and we were second on the stage to David Bowie. We were oh, on after the Happy Mondays, we were a massive oh, band who I loved. So, yeah. and it was very early in our career, and I was terrified mm-hmm. all day long. I was nervous as hell. I thought, you know. This, you know, it's like playing in front of 60,000 people, whatever. By far the biggest thing we've done. David Bowie was on after us, and we were all in the same backstage area in porter cabins, and they were hanging around with David Bowie. And I thought, I'll go up and say hello to him. And he took an autograph or something. And I just went up to him. I thought, I said, David, can I have an autograph? Mm-hmm. And he, sw- he went, no, and walked off. Really? You twat. Yeah. What? And that's, thought, that's it. That's why I don't go up and introduce myself to people because I love David Bowie. Yes. And it's like in the last few years, it's one all these people that have been you know passing away. It's been one the one, one that's affected me the most. But the fact that he did that, I mean, obviously when there was it was his big comeback gig as well. So yeah. I kind of I see. But I mean, I would always have time for people. I was always oh. let people have selfies. Always let people have autographs. You know, don't oh. take a second, does it? That's crazy. Every other person I've yeah. ever, because Bowie's my number one too, and every so I ask about him a lot, and everyone unanimously has said really nice things. And that yeah, doesn't mean that he's not a nice I person, thought. but <laughs> so I don't really want to slag him. But that's right. kind of, I mean, he was obviously nervous. He probably didn't know who I was. He didn't know yeah. if we were in a band or whatever. But we were on the backstage artist bit. So yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Sorry for spoiling the image. No, that's okay. That's I still okay. love Bowie, you know, by the yeah. way. That put me off him. No, I, I'm, I'm with either. you. No, I'm with you. It must have just been the moment. Well, Steve, look. been nerves. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, I just want to reiterate again how much you and your band mean to me. Um, I, now, I know that you guys get these stories of like, you know, I was down and you made me happy or I was going through a rough patch. And it's it's more than that. I just I think you're really special. I think what you do is special and life affirming. And I wish that the rest of the world knew what I knew because there yeah. you you deserve greater success. You deserve to be Thank as you. big and lauded as any other band out there. And I just love you very like much. You, what so you just you know. said is just one of the massive, the main reasons we do this and why we can't give Good. it up because what we do is special to a lot of people. Yeah. And you don't get that in life, do you, generally, in a normal no. job? No. You just get hassled. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got to keep at it. That's right. That's right. So yeah. I, uh, if I, I just Thank wanted you. to play my small part in, you know, turning on at least my listeners to embrace if they don't know you already and to hear how great <laughs> music can be. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for doing well, this with me. Long may it continue, and hopefully we'll get to come to America. I'd give anything. Point. I'd give yeah. anything. Or if I can go yeah. out there. I mean, I'd rather you came here for your own sake. But if uh, I hope one day I can see Embrace, you know, live one more yeah. time. That and a, a decent-sized venue. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, thank you, Steve. Right. There you have it. Steve Firth from Embrace. Gang, I, I feel conflicted because the last thing I would ever want to do to one of my favorite bands is to sort of make them sound like tragic tragic figures. Because to me, that's the opposite of that. They're heroes. But unfortunately, there's a tragic element to this story. Is it not is there not? I mean, you see, we talk about the music business in here all the time. And we this is a new sort of angle on how difficult it is for mid-level bands whose reach is only really the UK to continuously make a living. And these guys have had number one albums and hits, and it's still not quite there. So listen, I know that I have a lot of people who listen to this show that have their own radio shows, radio programs, Suburban Underground with Steve, Glory Days Radio with Paul, Strange Currency with Jed. I hear from a lot of you. Let's all come together for the good sake of embrace and further the cause of this band play them on your shows you will love them and your listeners will love them i promise okay now if it wasn't clear in here next month they are putting on a tour of the uk to uh, to celebrate the 21st anniversary of that first album the goodwill out i know we have a lot of listeners in the uk so go check out this show Find their website, find them on Facebook, like the page, all that kind of stuff. Go to the show, come back and tell me how it is. Please, I want to know. I would give anything to see them again. I want to close it out with one of my very favorite songs of theirs. Uh, Steve mentioned that his favorite album is their second to last one, the 2014 self-titled album. This is a song on that album called Quarters that I love. And if you like a poppier sheen to your rock music, then this album is the one for you. All of them are great. I will make you a mix CD if you want. But check out that self-titled album. It's special. After this, there's a bonus track. Okay? After this, we're going to play a song of theirs called Someday from the fourth album, Out of Nothing. And it is one of my favorite songs of all time. And I want to play it for you. And I want you to, I want you to give it your full and total concentration. Close your eyes, turn out the lights if you have to, pull over the car, whatever. Completely let it wash over you. Dear listeners, 
okay, who I love and who support us, everything I believe in is in the song Someday. The power of music, the religious power of it, to make your life better and lift your spirit, everything I believe in about the power of good music is found in the song Someday, which is going to be the next song up. Check it out. Let it wash over you and tell me what you think because I love it. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man. Thanks, buddy, for putting everything together. Uh, you guys know the drill. Find us on Facebook. Send us a message. Send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We are staying in the 90s next week. We're going to be listening to one of the great singer-songwriters to have come out of the 90s. His debut album is one of my very favorites of all time. He still makes a lot of music, but the focus is not so much on his solo work. It's on other things. I may have just give, said too much and given away who it is, but it's a good one. So you'll want to come back for that. We'll see you next week, everybody. We love you and stick around and listen to Someday, please.
that keep you sealed in someday.